1: What's up, Pitt fans? Welcome back to another Pitt Mailbag here on the Post Gazette Sports Now YouTube channel and podcast network. He is Chris Carter. I'm Noah Hiles Carter. We have a lot of wins to recap or discuss, so I guess. When you think about it, Pitt football wins Thursday. Pitt women's soccer wins Friday and Sunday.
0: Or did Cha-ching. they win? No, they won
1: Thursday. I think Thursday, it was Friday, Friday and Sunday. I don't know. They're in the Elite Eight. Uh, volleyball yeah. <laughs> with a big win Saturday wrestling yeah. with a win over Lehigh this weekend as well. And pit basketball is four and zero now heading to Brooklyn for the preseason. NIT plenty of great pit things to talk about. And we've got some questions on a, a couple of different teams here, but before we get into all of that, we've got to talk about the show's presenting sponsor, which is Mike's beer bar, whether if you're in town for a Steelers pirates or pit game, Mike's beer bar is right across the street from PNC park and has the best selection of beer in town as well as amazing food options. They have over 20 TVs, and you can catch all of your NFL, college football, Pirates, Penguins, Riverhounds, and Premier League action right at Mike's. Ms. Carter acts out all of those sports as I read them off. Come they in and product. try one of their 500 different available beers, 300 of them being local beers, as well as their 80 different local craft beers available on tap. You can also get a flight to try out every option you can dream of. And trust me, you won't run out of favorites because I never do, and I'm always there. Try their steak on a stone for an awesome meal where you choose how hot you want your steak cooked with a heated stone right in front of you as you enjoy a night out in Pittsburgh. Come to Mike's Beer Bar and get your sports fix and experience the best bar in Pittsburgh. Carter, you know what? I'll let you start. Are we talking football or basketball first?
0: Let's go football.
1: Yeah, okay. What a surprise. You pick football first. All <laughs> right. This question comes from not me. A different Noah. Uh, a different- does... Does Dino Babers realistically have a future with the Pitt football program? I'm going to start off on this one, Carter, because I did a little digging. Okay. Dino Babers did coach at pit 2003. He was uh, the Panthers running back coach. Mm. And when you consider that this guy does have an offensive background, I mean, he's yep. been an OC, a wide receivers coach, quarterbacks this. coach, running backs coach. There is a, a little bit of a paper trail and Pat Narduzzi has nothing but great things to say about this guy. They friends. But at the end of the day, I just think it's, it's, it it would probably be too much of a contract. No. I mean, you go from a head coaching deal at a power five school where you're making multiple millions of dollars. I I don't have his deal right in front of me, but you would assume it's at least two to 3 million. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and uh, I'll probably look up that figure when you give your answer here, Carter. But um, in the meantime, I just, it just seems like it would be weird for him to to go from Syracuse's head coach to a Pitt OC job in the same conference. Sure, that's definitely a beneficial thing for Pitt. I'm not sure it would be worth Dino's time uh, to go just over four this million. Route. Just over four million, yeah. So Pitt's not going to be able to pay him even half of that to be the OC. I mean, it might be able to, but it wouldn't be fiscally responsible. For the program, really. I mean, right. if, if they want to pay an assistant coach $2 million, go for it. But I think if you're going to spend $2 million on an OC, you could probably get something better than Dino Babers as well. So, yeah, it's, if, if Dino Babers wants to come here and call plays for a $1 million or less, I think Pitt should definitely hear it out. Um, I don't think he's going to be interested in doing that. I think the guy probably wants to be a head coach. Or if he's going to be an OC, he's going to do it at a program that can pay him a lot more money than Pitt can. That would be my guess. Carter, you have any other thoughts?
0: My other thing here is the guy's 62. He's been around a while. And, yes, him and Pat are friends. Like, like chemistry-wise, him and Pat, I think, would be very interesting. Dino would yeah. be fun to talk to. Like, I'd love to cover Dino Babers being the OC at Pitt. But I, I think that this offense needs a younger mind, a fresher mind, That is that is going to open up the 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 pit offense more to the passing game, and kind of get them to step out of where they've been for most of Narduzzi's tenure, and get them tenure, and to get them most into more into what they started to do under Mark Whipple when Kenny Pickett started clicking, and that's kind of get get open looks, get get you know get simple reads for your quarterback, get the ball out quickly to, to talented wide receivers, and win that way, and then balance that with a rushing attack from there. I think that can be a path forward, I'm just not so sure that Dino Babers is the guy that you, that that is going to usher in that kind of an offense.
1: So on that note, Carter, we'll go to our second question from Zach. This is assuming again, that Frank Signetti Jr. is not retained as Pitt's offensive coordinator and Pitt needs a new one heading into the off season. Uh, And if that does indeed happen, Zach wants to know who our early Pitt OC candidate list is and who's on it. Uh, Carter, do you have any names off the top of your head?
0: This is one that's less of a, less of like a, I like, like a realistic one, and more that like I think that they sh- that they should do, but they they, they should absolutely see if they can try to mend fences and bring back Brennan Marion because Brennan Marion's at UNLV. I covered him here when he was the wide receivers coach, and that guy brought this team together in a lot of ways. There were there were so many there were so many there were so many things that where everyone was excited about in in Pitt's offense, but. When when he was leaving, Charlie Partridge was trying to get him to not to not leave because Charlie Partridge saw what he did for the the offense. I mean, in one year's time, Brennan Marion got Pitts receivers to go from having the most drops in college football to being, you know, having a Blitnikoff winner and across the board being one of the more consistent units in college football. And that right there to me was a sign that like, you know, that guy's special. He wanted the O.C. job. Uh, Pitt didn't give it to him they basically told him he's going to have to wait he didn't want to wait so he went to Texas where he basically took the same job receivers coach and passing coordinator and then all of a sudden their new receivers coach Tyquan Underwood became the passing coordinator along with the receivers coach which was an interesting I thought response to Brennan's situation I don't think it'll ever happen but if I had a short list he'd be at the top of it I think that he's doing amazing things at UNLV and that if they brought him back he could do a lot of really good things with this
1: offense. Here's the thing, Carter. Brandon Marion ain't gonna be anyone's offensive coordinator next year. That guy's gonna be a head coach. I, yeah. I think. Yeah, and yeah, unless he's been working. Yeah, I, I just think that he's clearly established himself as one of the better young offensive minds in college football. Just just look at the accolades that he's been connected to this offseason yep. or this this season. Um, the attention that he's gained, and I get that it's gonna be part of our algorithm because he's connected forever to a program that we cover. Um, but yeah, I, I think that Marion's going to be a head coach. And if he does take an OC job, it's going to be in a similar spot. Like we said with Babers, where he's going to go to a place. That's going to pay him a lot of money, a lot more than Pitt probably would want to pay. So, and that. again, mending fences on top of that asking price is not going to work out. Well, I have three guys that I have my name on, or my eye on. Um, the first is Andrew uh, Jenko. Janako, something, okay. I, I, I've never said his name out loud, so I apologize, as I've only read it. He's You're a fine. Pitt alum and the quarterback coach for the Chicago Bears. Uh, that just seems to me like a logical um, connection. Uh, Pitt people love Pitt people, right? And it being right. in the NFL, young mind, like you said, there's a lot of dots to be connected there. Um, number two on my list, uh, just from hearing stuff on social media this isn't been this hasn't been told to me by any sources or anything uh but another obvious candidate looks to be mike shanahan former Pitt wide receiver yeah. jmu offensive coordinator obviously mm-hmm. the dukes uh having a great season they lost in overtime this past weekend but still really good season uh he and his former teammate at Pitt, tino sinceri cooking up some good things with that dukes offense now i i, I do think it will it needs to be mentioned, though, that the guy's currently working for Kurt Signetti. So will it be weird hiring <laughs> no. the OC from a staff that's coached by your by the brother of your current OC who's about to get canned? I, d- I don't know what that dynamic would be like and if that would create any other problems. Now, if we're going to go away from the whole hiring a Pittman playbook, which uh, that, they I- might do in... I don't know if how many of uh, Narduzzi's OCs have had pit ties. Aside from Signetti. I'd have to go back and look. But I, I'd have to imagine at least one of them wasn't like a pit man beforehand. So uh if you're if you're gonna go outside the box and you could pick anyone, I'm going with Willie Korn. He's okay. the offensive coordinator at Liberty. Here, mm-hmm. here are things why you should be invested. Here's why you should be invested in Willie Korn. He's just one year into the job. So while his body of work isn't going to be as great as everyone else's, he's affordable. You can go get him. And in a place like Pitt might be a logical step upward. You look at where Liberty ranks offensively right now. Number eight scoring offense in the country. You know what's even better to Pat Narduzzi than number eight scoring offense in the country? Number one rushing offense in the country. Mm. And this isn't an Army-Navy veer triple option type thing they're running out of the gun it's a similar system to what malik willis ran a couple of years ago and while you know that's not the best name to boast as far as pro quarterback status is concerned it was a highly productive college quarterback and you, you look at Liberty's starting uh, quarterback right now he's got 2400 passing yards or somewhere in that ballpark You have that type of offensive production, plus the number one rushing offense in the country. I believe the Flames are now 10-0, 11-0. So there's a lot to like there. And again, I think because this guy is so young and because he's only one year into this OC thing, you're not going to have the head coaching opportunities that you would have. With a Brendan Marion, who again is still one year into similar spot, but a little older, a little bit more established, worked at bigger programs than this guy. So I think Willie Korn might be just someone that I discovered on my own, but if I had to pick one, I would put him in the mix.
0: Another one, one last guy for me here. It's a guy in there, the name named Jamarcus Shepard. Okay. Receivers coach in Washington.
1: Mm. He's worked with guys
0: like O'Dunze, McMillan. Yeah. Rondell Moore. He's been he's been very good. He's worked under several different major head coaches, including Mike Leach. Uh, he's had a chance to grow. And the rumor was that had Washington's offensive coordinator left, he would have just been promoted to the to the position. And so, if Washington, with Penix and all the things they've been doing well offensively, wants to you know is thinking about promoting this guy, if I'm Pitt and I can attract him with a decent a decent contract to be an OC of a power of a power five program somewhere else instead of if, if he's tired of waiting around, maybe that's the move that you go you get a guy like that who's who's produced several NFL talents who's been around and I think him and Tyquan Underwood with their receiver backgrounds could be great to help open up the passing offense more because then the OC, he has more insight into what the receivers want and he can tie to the quarterback. Hey, this is what I need you to get into. This is what I need you to see. And this is what they're going to be doing. And you build that connection. You build up a, a strong passing game again. And I, I just really think Pitt can develop a running game on its own. I, I think like that they, they can recruit the, the power. If, if Pitt can unlock the passing game again, and the defense stays at the level that I think it can. It makes the Panthers so dangerous in the ACC right now, especially with the teams that are leaving. But like, they would be a very real problem with the passing game. And again, I'm not saying Jamarcus Shepard is is easily gettable. But you need a guy like that that's working with receivers, that's working in passing games that are that are contributing to big numbers and knows how to how to talk to those type of guys and build those kind of chemistries in your passing room.
1: I like that suggestion. I think you said the word "passing" way too many times for him to be, <laughs> had to be a, a candidate. Standard, I, I, I and like I hope I'm Brilliant. wrong for Pitt's sake because I totally agree with everything you just said, Carter. They need to have a, a pass first offensive coordinator come in here. That's just the way college football is played. I'm sorry, you do not want to be the Iowa of the ACC. That's you just don't. not what you should strive to be. Nope. Um, and just like. Like, the fact that this guy's a Mike Leach disciple, that should be an encouraging thing. But I yep. think compared to past hires, it might not be. No, I get it. Yeah, so that's where, yeah. That was our list. So that's that's not what we've heard. And we're going to, trust me, uh, we're going to be doing a lot of digging into uh, that, that list that's going to be put together here really soon, you'd have to assume. So... Keep, keep an eye on that. We'll move over now to basketball. Lee wants to know, what player will Pitt rely upon most in its two games this week in Brooklyn? Ooh. Carter, I'll let you start with this one.
0: Look, I think there's, Bob Carrington has been an exciting player, and I think he's doing great. But against teams like this, that are going to, they're going to try and fluster Pitt's young guards. They're going to try to get after him. I think that, Blake Henson's gonna do what Blake Henson's gonna do. But one guy that can really balance everything is Ishmael Leggett.
1: Okay. Because
0: I think that and I think Blake would be a great answer. I think Bub would be a great answer. But the reason I say Ishmael Leggett is because I can you know, you can see there were times when who did Pitt last play? Biginton. Um
1: no, they uh, last played Jacksonville.
0: Jacksonville. Thank you. I'm mixing up all the random schools that didn't play. Yeah. But Jack- Jacksonville, you could see them start to double team him, and Bub was kind of feeling it a little bit. Not too much. I thought he handled it well, but I just think some of these veteran teams that are that they're going to go up against in this NIT tournament, they're going to try and for- force the pressure on the younger guards, and that's where Leggett's going to have to come in and calm things down help keep the offense flowing. And who knows, maybe Bob is going to shrug it off and be like, man, I, y'all ain't got nothing for me, and then he's he's cooking. But I think that there's, there's, there's times in college basketball when you need veteran guard play to come through for you in tight moments. If there are tight moments in these games, which if they're playing well, I think I expect them to be tight. I'd like to see Ishmael Leggett kind of balance things out and kind of make some of the smarter plays that they can rely upon. Who's your guy?
1: Well, just looking at it, I think one thing that people don't really recognize with Leggett right now is, as far as his contributions go, is rebounding. Um, Mm -hmm. I think his perimeter defense and his rebounding makes his team so much better. Uh, I I wouldn't say so much better than it was last year. I think it's way too early to say that, so let me rephrase. I think it makes Pitt's ceiling this year so much higher than what its ceiling was last year. Um, the potential's there just because what he does, and you, you look at what some of these teams do. I mean, Florida is is tied for third in offensive rebounding in the country, um, so they're going to need that rebounding help. And it, it's 16 in the country in, in rebounding margin. Baylor is always a team that's going to play quick tempo. Helps to have a veteran guard when it's going to be a running gun type game. And and Oregon State's best guard is averaging 20 and a half points a game. So guard play matters, but on the biggest stage, and you're and we're only four games into the season. But these are the two biggest games of the year, as they set the mm-hmm. tone for a very important stretch. And in the games like this, you need your best player to step up. And the best player on this team is Blake Henson. Like I said, mm-hmm. the rebounding stats, Blake's got uh, and Blake's been good this year. I'm not saying that he hasn't. I'm not saying like Blake's got to step up in the sense where it's like he hasn't played well. It's just. These are the games where you rely on your best player. When it's your first ever game against a power five opponent for your new backcourt, you know, who's not new, you know, who's played in Brooklyn, you know, who's played in the tournament, you know, who's played in these situations before in the same Mm -hmm. uniform with the same head coach. It's number two, that's the guy. And you just look at some of the matchups he's going to see on the wing. I mean, Wednesday night, he's going to probably be responsible for guarding Tyrese Samuel uh, who's fourth in the sec with eight and a half rebounds a game a 12 and a point th- or 12 point scorer riley kugel another uh wing for florida state or for florida excuse me 13 points a game uh one 1.1 1. 1 steals a game which is number five in the sec you move it over to baylor let's assume that they beat florida state baylor has jacoby walter on the wing guys a mcdonald's all american averaging 18 points a game that's a defensive assignment that I want to see Blake Henson take on. If you're going to be in the NBA, you're going to see a lot of Jacoby Walters around. Yep. That's That's got to be how he makes his money. Um, and then on the other end, if they lose to Florida and end up playing Oregon State, because there's just no way Oregon State's beating Baylor, um, Tyler Bid, Bidlow, I believe is how you say his name, uh, 15, 8.8, and uh, 1.5 are his slash line, I guess you could say, his his averages at the four for Oregon state. That's another dangerous guy. So Blake's going to see, I mean, I think the, the easy storyline is it's going to be Bub's first matchup against legit guards. Uh, There's no denying that, but he has Ishmael Leggett helping. And while Blake has Zach Austin to help him out on the wing and down low, Blake shouldn't need help. Blake, if if Blake's one of the best players in the ACC, this is where he shows it. This is where this week is where I want to see Blake Henson, Show the country how different his game is compared to last year. And I he has a great opportunity to do so. Uh, listen,
0: he's the biggest player on the team. I feel you. If he make if he goes out there and he does it, he can be the difference maker. I I just wanted to give an alternative answer because no, I feel like yeah. in every in every game, we can we can always say Blake Henson's got, yeah, got gotta be the man. And you know what? On uh Friday when we last covered him, he was looking like the dude.
1: I mean, all three of the names that we just talked about him, had pretty good years so far Very good point. Very good point. all right drew wants to know are you either of you surprised that pit basketball hasn't received any sort of attention in the first two <laughs> weeks of this year's ap poll i'm starting no i'm not surprised dude they have beat four mid-major schools that are not going to sniff the ncaa tournament i mean maybe jack or maybe florida Gulf coast well but jacksonville is not a good team I'm just going to go ahead and say it. They have decent rebounding numbers, but just watch them. Did you think that was a good team, Chris? No. No, no. and neither was North Carolina A&T. Now, if it was a battle of the bands, I'd take North Carolina A&T. But, you know, and,
0: that's,
1: and that's no offense to Pitt, but that's just me speaking facts. But if we're talking basketball, yeah, that's not a good team. Pitt played a Binghamton team that I think is maybe decent in its league. And Florida Gulf Coast, which I think will compete in its league. But overall, I mean, no. This is a team that was like three spots away from missing the tournament last year. Sure, it won a couple of games in the tournament. It was a good season. It was a fun story to tell. But there's no reason for Pitt to be on the cusp yet. Now, there are a lot of stats where I think that maybe it should have received like a vote or two, but like it, it's not a top 25 team yet. Now, however, if Pitt goes undefeated this next week, it definitely should be in the top 25. And I don't care if that includes a win over Baylor or not. If Pitt beats two power five teams on a neutral floor, and one of those two is Florida, who's yeah. top 40 in Ken Palm, absolutely it should be in the mix for a top 25 team. We're just two weeks into the season though. They gotta beat someone first,
0: and I, I just I just continue to look at um, how how we, we, if we remember all last year when Pitt was playing very well down the stretch and they were beating some of the top teams in the ACC and everyone was wondering where the net was where the where the Ken Palm was all those all those things. I just I just go back to that and I think, man, like. There were a lot. There were a lot of times where I'm like, Pitt has continued to prove itself, but because of some of their early season losses that carried over. What Pitt is doing right now is they are solidifying their resume with lot with wins that and big and big wins with big margins that are going to say, Hey, you know, you're not going to have those pitfalls. So when Pitt does stack wins this year, and I think that they will. I'm not sure if they'll sweep the NIT tournament or go one on one or what they'll do, but when they start getting wins in the ACC this this year. Those earlier, the, you know, the lack of bad losses early in the season will allow Pitt to jump up a lot faster and stay a lot faster or stay, stay, a, lot, stay a, lot, a lot stronger in the season if they lose to a really good team. Because last year, like when they lost to like, you know, Duke, they got crushed and, and like you know, they, they would drop they would drop so far in those rankings. I think that's where Pitt's at right now. Also, I mean, a lot of this is also based off of preseason rankings, right, and where people start in a lot of these things. And let's face it, Pitt, no, you know, nobody knew. We didn't know. What no. Pitt would look like? We didn't know who Bob Carrington was. We didn't know who Jalen Lowe was, or Ishmael Leggett would be. How good Ishmael Leggett could translate from from Rhode Island to here, What you knew was Blake Hinson can score, and Betty Federico when healthy could be a problem, uh, especially as a as a defensive center. But they needed a lot of play, other pieces to fall in place. The good thing is they are falling in place. But now you need they, they need to show it on bigger stages that they are doing those things, and then they'll get the attention. And you're right. If they beat Florida, and my goodness, if they beat Baylor. The whole – I mean, John Rothstein said himself, he tweeted after after Pitt's last game, he was like, Pitt and Florida are matching up, and I really want to see what that's like. If they do that, I guarantee you all those eyes will start looking at Pitt, and they'll start sniffing the top 25.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, I also think it's worth to note it. I mean, Pitt is already up to 39 in Ken Palm. Yep. And that's because last year, sure, if you look at the final scores – it won a lot of its games against mid-majors by 20, 30 points, but they weren't winning in the ways that they're winning now, where they're up by 20 before the 10-minute mark in the first half, where where their assist-to-turnover numbers are ridiculous. I tweeted out today, Pitt's top 25 in the country in like 12 different major stat categories, yep. and it's doing things that cater to the Ken Palm algorithm. It's rebounding. It's efficient with the basketball. I think it's number seven in the country or something like that in assist to turnover ratio, Um, or number twelve, excuse me, in the country in assist to turnover ratio. Uh, Like it's doing, it's checking all the right boxes this year. And you want to talk about start of the year rankings, Carter? I don't know exactly where the Panthers started on Ken Palm this year. I'm going to go ahead and guess it was a lot higher than where they started on Ken Palm at the beginning of last season when they were coming off five straight losing seasons. So it's in a good spot. It's in a really good spot where it just has to play well in this stretch of games, not just in Brooklyn, but after Brooklyn, the next three games after Brooklyn against Power 5 opponents, which we'll get into to close off the show. um, Andrew wants to know how confident are... Or we are in Pitt's next five games. What's our record prediction? So for clarification, Pitt will play two games this week in Brooklyn. On Wednesday, it will play Florida. And uh, it will play either Baylor or Oregon State, depending on the winner of those two matchups. And then it comes home the following week. So next week, it will play Missouri on Tuesday, which was a tournament team last year. Mm -hmm. And then next Sunday, it will play Clemson at home and then the week after that it heads over to morgantown for a backyard brawl in west virginia so that's those three matchups that i just listed after brooklyn those two of them are former tournament teams and clemson's a team that just missed the tournament last year yep uh so carter i'll let you go what's pitt's record in its next five games
0: i say i say four and one Mm -hmm. i think that pitt can i think that pitt can win one of the nit games missouri just lost to jackson state at home uh and it was a buzzer beater but that's one of those losses that like missouri they're going to need to do a lot this year to make up for that uh in when when rankings and stuff get get considered Um, But Missouri lost that game. Clemson has been a team that has given Pitt problems because of their physicality. And oftentimes Pitt has struggled when they have not had answers because of depth up front or up front uh, in the front court. Yeah. And I think this year they finally have some depth there. And I think that if Pitt can come in and it's guard play can be solid and it can be physical, it can hang and bang with Clemson and get a win there. And I honestly think, They go into Morgantown. I think they can run. They can run those. The Morgan West Virginia is is, is, has has stuff to clean up right now. And listen, that's nothing against those kids. That's just a big mess of a situation. You know, the 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 the, the players of West Virginia. Yeah. You know they're they're just in a rough spot. That that if any any program that gets hit with a scandal like that is going to deal with problems. I think that Pitt's going to this, and I think Jeff is going to want to challenge it because. Correct me if I'm wrong, Noah. That's their first real road game,
1: right? Yeah, no, it definitely is. It's their first uh, a contest in an away venue. Yes, like it, I,
0: yeah. I think I think Jeff is going to be is gonna this is gonna be like all right, it's time to, to dog on prove it as, as as you go in there. I think they're going to be motivated and want to win that win that one. Um, and I think that they they they'll they'll win. They'll go one on one in the nit, beat Missouri, beat Clemson, beat West Virginia. And then everyone's going to be talking about maybe Pitt's, maybe Pitt is back. But don't say that if you're a Pitt fan, because every time they've said that, something <laughs> bad has happened right
1: afterwards. Yeah. Um, I'm tempted to say four and one. Um, I'm going to be safe and play, I'm going to play it safe and say three and two. Uh, I think that it'll go one and one in the ACC. If, if it beats Florida Wednesday, then it's going to go four and one. If it doesn't beat Florida, I think three and two. Here's my logic. So yeah, let's, path one, Pitt beats Florida. Pitt will then lose to Baylor, and it'll beat its other three teams in that five-game stretch. If it loses to Florida, it beats Oregon State, beats Missouri, loses to Clemson, because I think Clemson is very similar to what Florida does. So I think they just struggle with that. It's more of a matchup issue than anything else with what they have down low. And then I, I think Pitt's winning the backyard brawl. There's just, there's too much motivation. This program's got too much momentum. And Jeff, let's be real. That's one of the last boxes that Jeff really needs to check until we start focusing simply, strictly on March accolades. So yeah. that that's, that's a big one. So I, I think three and two, is the safe play four and one. I'm really tempted to say it, but I've I've been very conservative with how I view this basketball team all year. I'm just trying to wait to see what it can do against big time competition before I completely go with my gut, which tells me this is going to be a really good basketball team. I'm this close, but I still got to see it. And that's fine. Carter, any final thoughts as we wrap things up here?
0: Just that I'm excited to see pit basketball start to, you know, get to go on the road. I'm jealous of you getting to go to the Barclays and you're gonna be yes, covering sir. that, and you got a quick turnaround to cover some Duke versus Pitt football to end the season. Noah's gonna be traveling, y'all. So if you if you are out and about in New York, in what's it, Raleigh, Durham, where where where, where, are they, where are they? is it, Raleigh, North Carolina? It's Durham. Durham right. I mix, yeah. I mix it. I'm I'm mixing it up. Good. But but if you out in one of those places, say what's up to this man because he's gonna be traveling. He gonna be jet setting out here.
1: Yeah, you know what? Everyone, if if you believe in a God, pray to them that there are no delayed flights at JFK Saturday morning because I will be be flying into Durham from New York City. I believe my flight leaves at 8 a.m. So I'll be landing in Durham about two hours before kickoff. Shout out to the ACC for waiting to give Pitt its one noon kickoff the one time I didn't want it. Um, I wish they consulted me, you know, because it's all about the journalists and nobody else, right, Carter? Uh, but no, in all seriousness, it's going to be a great week. I'm really excited. I love Thanksgiving. I love Feast Week, college basketball, NFL, college football. I mean, just a whole bunch of great stuff. And also, before we wrap up, got to give a shout out to the Pitt Women's Soccer Team. Absolutely. Elite eight. Wow. What a, what a year for them. What a program that they're building. Last year, first tournament appearance. Now, they're two wins away from the National Championship game. Crazy. Just, Tremendous, tremendous progress. That's all we got for this one. We'll be back next week with another pit Mailbag for Chris Carter. I'm Noah Hiles signing off, Sam. We'll see you soon.
0: Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you watch this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our channel. For all of the sports coverage the Post-Gazette has to offer, visit post-gazette.com.